Welcome to the CoVenture Podcast. We sit down with leaders, experts, and innovators in Colorado's Roaring Fork Valley and beyond to explore how to build sustainable businesses and ecosystems in rural communities. From tactical solutions to new ways of thinking, we're here to find out what it looks like to succeed together. Thanks for joining us. This episode is part of our Under the Hood series, created in partnership with Slifer Smith and Brampton. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, this is Mike Mercatoris. I am back with another episode of Under the Hood, where we're lifting up the hood on these uh, new and, and innovative and inspiring entrepreneurs and companies and trying to really find out what makes them tick. Quick shout out to CoVenture for making this happen. Um, CoVenture, our little entrepreneur incubator and accelerator in downtown Carbondale, which our guest today is actually one of our um, in-residence companies. And uh, shout out to Slifer Smith and Frampton Real Estate for sponsoring this and putting their money where their mouth is and uh, and helping you know accelerate the entrepreneurship community in our valleys. So today I'm here with Amy Westervelt. Say hi, Amy. Hello, hi. <laughs> um, Amy is the head of membership with a company called Energy Web, or the director of membership, I should say, with a company called Energy Web here in Carbondale, Colorado. Now, this is a big one, folks. This is, I mean, we're digging into, we got two things going on here with Energy Web. We got blockchain, big topic out there, and we got energy, specifically renewable energies. Um, so Energy Web is a big one. It's, uh, it was actually, it's a nonprofit and it was born out of our local Rocky Mountain Institute, which they, we like to call a think and do tank, <laughs> not just a think tank, you know, because sometimes you go, oh, a think tank. What are these guys? You just picture like a smoky room where everyone just sits around <laughs> thinking about big problems, but not really doing anything. Um, these guys are actually on the do side also. So what Energy Web has done is actually combine their leveraged blockchain technology to help companies and help people with track where their energy is actually coming from, specifically renewable energies, um, helping us, you know, gather the data, knowing where these things are coming from, and in turn providing um, answers to, you know, is this helping? Are we doing the right thing? Are renewables making a difference? And um, so this is all very exciting and mind bending and <laughs> difficult. So Amy, give us a little lowdown. Um, go ahead and tell us, you know, anything that I missed in that intro there, <laughs> you know, like correct me where I'm wrong. Uh, let me know what, what Energy Web is in particular. Sure. Yeah, no, I thought it was a really good intro. Um, so Energy Web, yeah, we're a nonprofit organization. We're pretty young. We've only been around since, um, 2017, but I like to say in blockchain years, that's like 100 years um, oh my gosh, because yes. things move so quickly in the sector. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as Mike said, we uh, were born out of Rocky Mountain Institute and another company in Germany called Grid Singularity. Um, and uh, yeah, we I used to work at Rocky Mountain Institute when we uh, spun out into a separate company. And um, we had just heard a lot of utilities talking about blockchain and you know what it might be able to do for the energy sector. And we thought like, let's dig into this a little bit. And we got kind of a research consortium going with about 10 companies um, and launched it as a, officially in 2017. 
And um, since then, it's, it's been a little bit of a wild ride, but super, super interesting as we figure out like what kinds of things this technology can do. And like you said, Mike, um, a lot of it is about uh, helping customers and companies and governments and anybody else who's a user of energy yeah. really understand where that's coming from. And then the other piece is, you know, as we look at a world where people are starting to put solar on the roofs, buy electric vehicles, have right. batteries right. in their homes, um, where, you know, utilities are getting more energy from distributed sources like wind and solar, you know, how do we orchestrate all those parts of the grid to make sure that lights are staying on for everybody and also that everybody who's contributing gets compensated in some way, whether it's monetarily or, you know, by knowing what their contribution was. Yeah, because we can actually, you know, we're starting to get to the point with with solar and efficiencies where we're, you hear it feeding back into the grid, um, mm -hmm. which is, you, you know, is interesting. I, on a micro level, you know, sitting in my house, you know, I, I do have an EV, I have a little Chevy Volt, which, which I love, um, you know, gets me from place to place on 40 miles of electric. And, uh, but, you know, I can see how maybe I'm making more at my house with solar than I'm going to use. So what happens to that? Can I feed it back into the grid? And where does that energy go? One of the things we talked about in the, um, the pre-interview was kind of looking at it like a river. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's something that I didn't really understand before I got into this space is um, it is really hard to ascertain where, and electricity is coming from and like yeah. I, i'm i'm not thinking of the circumstances in which like i have solar on my roof as well and i know that you know during the day between nine and four most of what i'm using is likely coming from my roof but most people don't so you know how do those people know what the grid mix is and how things like community solar farms and sure. you know other sources are feeding into what they do so um how it kind of works in practice is we assign what we call energy attribute certificates to renewable energy. And, and they're okay. basically kind of little tags that are assigned yeah. mostly at the megawatt level. So pretty big quantities of energy. Uh, but increasingly, you know, we're finding ways to do it at smaller levers, levels uh, where we tag uh, electricity and we say, you know, this many megawatts was injected into the grid uh, from this solar facility. Um, so we can trade those attributes, those tags, so to speak, uh -huh. of that quantity of electricity. And what we're building is, is really a way to help customers, whoever they are, get much more granular about, you know, what types of tags are assigned to the energy that, that they're consuming, okay. um, you know, from different types of sources. So, but the so river what... analogy, sorry, I, I didn't, I never even explained that. It's like, you know, you can think of uh, the electricity supply as a river um, yeah. and, you know, any source of electricity that's being produced is kind of like a drop that's going into that river. You can account for it as it's going in. It's really hard to account for it as it's being pulled out. Well, and, you know, specifically in, in our mountain communities, you know, we have the river analogy is really great because we actually have headwaters, you know, right. like, yeah. I mean, the Colorado River starts here, you know, so I kind of look at it that way, like, all right, so... And that's where I kind of, what would be the headwaters of energy? Would that be, there's, there's a producer out there and that could be a solar farm. That could be a wind farm. That could be a coal fired plant. That could be, so, I mean, we go from the headwaters and then you figure the Colorado river, I don't know, hits Lake Powell and it's this big, massive thing. Right. And then it goes and it gets distributed. 
Uh -huh. So is that kind of how this works too? That's a good analogy, except I'm trying to think of, um, it's a little bit more complex in that um, the, the sources of electricity, and I'm talking about electricity just because it's, it's kind of yeah. where we focus primarily, um, you know, not really in gas or oil right, or anything, but right. if you think about electricity, um, the headwaters are kind of changing depending on the time of the day, the season, et cetera. So like I do, a lot of my work is out in California um, okay. and their grid is really interesting because it's got tons of renewables. They're producing different amounts at different times of the day. So solar is producing, I think, um, you know, generally between like nine and five, right? So business okay. daytime. Yeah. Wind is usually producing the most at night. In between, huh. you have kind of fossil generation coming online more in the spring and early summer, you have hydro. So, you know, all the snow is melting up in the Sierras, turning the turbines, that's generating electricity. Oh, so wow. yeah, it is all ending up in this sort of wholesale market pool that's then being sold on to other companies that are selling it on to you as a retail customer. Right. Um, but yeah, those headwaters are kind of changing depending on the hour and the season. So you can understand, you know, kind of how it adds to the complexity of like assigning those tags to the energy that you're consuming. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and it, uh, you know, the other fascinating thing that, that we talked about in the, the pre-interview was that energy is literally like, um, what do we call it? It was, you know, the, like on-demand inventory, you yes, know, like you, exactly. have to, you have to produce it and it goes out. It's not like right. it's they're waiting for you to use it. Yeah. So managing all these back of the house, you know, like who, who's using what at what time, where is it coming from? You know, it, it's got to be just insanely complex mm -hmm. for these yeah. companies. Yeah, it's super complex. And so like one side of it is managing the supply. So how much do we think the town of Carbondale is going to be using on sure. Tuesday, the 18th of May, 2021, between the hours of 10 and 11. Right. You know, another piece of it um, is, can we adjust that demand to meet consumption? So we talked about in the pre-call a little bit, you and I, we both own Chevy Volts. We both yep. own the same electric vehicles. <laughs> you know, let's say the town of Carbondale has a lot of solar coming online between 10 and 11 today. Okay. Um, and that would be a great time for us to go charge our cars because there's a lot of clean, cheap, you know, electricity that's available to us. So how do we incentivize Amy and Mike not to go home and charge their cars at 5.30 p.m., but to charge them somewhere from 10 to 11. And that's part of our focus too, is like, let's figure out the technology that would let a utility or another company incentivize uh, and reward drivers for doing stuff like that. Interesting. And that would be like, you know, it almost, you could see it as eventually like a little ding on your phone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, charge now. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and here's the reason you should charge now, right? You know, this is the impact you'll have yes. on carbon. This is the impact you might have on Holy Cross's objectives. And I'm, I, I'm just picking on Holy Cross here, but there's a lot of ways I think to incentivize people to change their consumption behavior in ways that are beneficial to the grid, but we don't really have all the technology in place yet to manage those millions of energy customers and what they might do and how they might change their patterns. So that's, that's part of our focus helping companies put in those missing pieces small small uh, small problems yeah little problems very <laughs> minor very minor yeah so you know taking it from the big picture you know or we got the river um we're flowing through we got distribution um talk to me about honestly like where energy web and you know the blockchain fits in mm -hmm. um you know you said you were in the pre-interview solving two main problems where it comes from, 
where the energy comes from and uh, tracking that. And uh, the other one was where it's going, right? Um, yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. So, you know, we the blockchain is kind of in the news lately, you know, mm-hmm. whether, um, you know, good or bad. Uh, and so give us an overview of, you know, kind of what the blockchain is. I, I understand it as um, in, in the big picture thing, it's, it's a chain of the way things happen and it, and it can't be altered. There's no, there's no mistakes. There's no, yeah. you know, I forgot to put in a one or I forgot to put in a zero or, you know, a, a pencil mark, you know, in real estate, we use, I use the analogy of a title, you know, the title of property goes from, you know, and you're looking back on these things, it can be from like 1800s, you know, it's like so-and-so bought it here and -and so-and-so bought it here, but there's a, there's human interaction there that could be, there could be a mistake, you know? So this would be, there's no mistakes. It's moving through the, through the chain. Mm -hmm. Tell us Mm -hmm. how that works a little bit. I guess I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, the flip answer to, you know, what is blockchain is it's a chain of blocks, Mike, (laughs) just like, no, but so, um, I think the easiest way to explain blockchain and like now I'm like putting on my blockchain 101 hat is like um, it. it's a it's a ledger of events. So it's a record of events uh-huh. um, that is kept in a system that is added to and accessible by lots of different parties. So instead of, you know, your titles living on a database that a title company is owning or that the right. town of Carbondale is owning, everybody looking in the in the courthouse. <laughs> exactly. Everybody and nobody owns that system. Um, okay. And the way that we write to that ledger is done, um, it, it's managed in a way that makes it extremely, extremely hard to change later. So anything that's added is what we call immutable. So it's in there for good. So mm-hmm. you have a, a system and, and I won't get too deep into the weeds unless you want me to about how it all works. And maybe we'll get there later if we talk about energy consumption stuff. Yeah. But um, what you end up with is a system that is super trustworthy, where you can see who's done what. You can be sure that nobody's edited it and no single party owns it. Um, and you can change up their permissions with that system a lot. So you could have, depending on the blockchain that you're working with and the application that you're using it for, mm-hmm. you could have everybody can write to it. Everybody can submit transactions. Everybody has the opportunity to add blocks to the chain. You could have it be permission. So only some parties have the ability to add blocks to those chain, to that chain. Um, you could have certain information only be uh, addable by certain parties, et cetera. Um, but it, it basically gives you this way of, um, yeah, under having a lot of confidence that the history that's recorded in the blockchain hasn't been altered in any way, um, having a system where no central party is owning that data, monetizing it or abusing it in any way, mm-hmm. um, and a way of just understanding who did what and that's very scalable, that's very low cost, um, that's very reliable. So, I, you know, and then we go, when I think about it and we go macro and we talk about these things like with energy, um, and, and you think about politicians and you think about the big macro arguments between, you know, coal fired and renewables and this and people pointing fingers and, well, it doesn't work and prove me wrong type thing. Talk to me about how, you know, you guys are using the blockchain to answer those, to answer those questions. 
Yeah, so that's a really good question. And I think we are at a stage where we're really only scratching, starting to scratch the surface sure. of what the technology can do. Right now we focus in, on, on two types of work. Um, one is the, the type that we've already talked about with understanding where your electricity is coming from uh -huh. or your energy uh, in a broader sense. The other is um, we're moving from a system where in the past we had uh, electricity, electric utilities, um, maybe in some places there's a couple of them that are sort of layered on top of each other, controlling different levels of the grid. Some places right. there's just one vertically integrated company, but those companies are procuring power and they're selling it on. So it's like a one-way system, right? The uh -huh. utility is buying power, it's passing it on to the customer. Customer is just paying the utility. We're moving to a place now where customers like you and me, we have solar on our roofs, we have electric vehicles, we have ways of providing services back to the grid, mm -hmm. whether it's injecting power into the grid, like you know the, the solar power that I'm not using at home today because I'm at my office, right. or stuff like I'm providing value to the grid every time I charge my car at a time that is convenient for the grid, right? So we need a system that lets those individuals also interact with the grid. And there's many more of us than there are, you know, actors in this historical system where it was kind of a top-down um, pathway. So we need a way to coordinate the activities of all those actors and it needs to be highly scalable and it needs to be reliable and we need to make sure nobody's cheating the system. Yes. And that's where you can see blockchain kind of overlay nicely onto some of those needs. And then, you know, in the other direction, um, in the past, if we had only a couple sources of energy generation power in the grid, so you had some natural gas, you had some coal, maybe a little bit of renewables, it's not that hard to ascertain, you know, what the carbon intensity of your energy use is, okay. if that's important to you at all. But now, you know, we gave the example of California, where there's wind, solar, uh, storage, hydro, coal, natural gas, a little bit of nuclear. Actually, there may not even be coal there anymore. But then you can see how it becomes more complex to figure out, gosh, what is the calculus of my carbon footprint as a company, for example? No, absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah, you you know, as a company, you're not, you're not always thinking about yeah, that's not top of mind for you. Sure, but companies are so much more now because you have things like, you know, the the COP twenty one commitments, which we're seeing, you know, have a huge impact in the rest of the world. Not quite so much here in the states. You're also seeing, you know, things that are happening with the Biden administration with climate regulations, and companies are anticipating that they're going to have to account for their corporate sustainability goals um, right. much more granularly now, whether it's to the government or just to their customers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because the yep. customers want to know, you know, I own restaurants and, and we think of it, I mean, this was, you know, it's, of course, it still goes on with organic and, you know, locally sourced and this and that, but that was very intense, you know, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago. And we often joked like your cow's name was, blah, blah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> here's its history and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, customers were interested in that and, and now it's energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And, and it may not get to the level of like, I want to make sure that I'm buying zero kilometer electricity from my neighbors in Carbondale, but sure. people do want to know that the products that they're using yeah, that, that's becoming something that's much more important to consumers. And I think 
over time, the bar will continue to be raised. And we have, you know, we, we've had a lot of greenwashing in this industry and in consumer products. Like there's been a lot of claims of like, oh, this product is green. We bought okay. green energy to do this. And this just kind of lets us go a bit of a level deeper. Like, yes, this is, we can call this a green product. We can say that renewables were used in making this coffee or, you know, making this soup or whatever the product is. And we can show you exactly under the hood, you know, how that happened. And here, here it all is in a immutable ledger, you know? So who are, you know, um, I guess who are, who are Energy Web's customers, you know, thinking about that? Was this driven from, you know, it started from Rocky Mountain Institute and was it driven from energy companies who are saying, we need to answer these questions that people are asking, or was it driven from, you know, the consumers asking, you know what I mean? Where did, yeah. where did this come from that we need so, to figure this out? We need to dial this in. It's a real mix. So we have members all over the world and our members are utilities, uh, energy majors. So companies like Shell, they've been a member for a long time. Companies wow. that are kind of pivoting from oil and gas into renewables and other ways of being energy service providers, equipment manufacturers, um, technology startups. And they're driven by a mix of things. I, I would say um, regulation is a really big driver. So um, our earliest activities and projects were in Europe where there's just a much more, there, there's a much stronger regulatory pressure on energy companies and utilities to lower their carbon emissions. So they need ways of doing this today. There's also, um, we're starting to catch up on electric vehicles in the US, but Europe has had a, a higher penetration of electric vehicles over the last decade or so. So they're getting to this point where it's like, it would be really cool if these electric vehicles could provide services to the grid, but first what we have to do is avoid them breaking the grid by charging all at the same charging time. Charging right? at the same time. Yeah, 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 that kind of a thing. So, you know, it, it's driven by a real mix of things. And, and, and our model is we don't build direct to consumer products that are gonna, mm -hmm get marketed to you, right. you know, on Facebook. Um, we're working with the companies like, you know, Holy Cross would be an example of a company we could work for um, and other companies in the US and in Europe that are the ones in charge of shaping how you get your energy and your electricity. And, and yeah, and distributing it. And that's where, you know, we use Holy Cross as an example because um, as we talked about in the interview, Holy Cross utility is, is a distribution center. Yep. They, they distribute, they're in between the headwaters <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and the distribution out to the consumers. So it is Holy Cross's job to answer demand from the consumers. Where is my energy coming from? Yes. And then yeah. prove it. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. And they're a very progressive utility. I think, Absolutely. you know, I mean, I know they've won awards and things for having some really advanced ways of doing just that especially for a rural electricity cooperative. Um, but yeah, companies all over need those. You know, one of the areas that we're working in right now, we're working um, in California to help increase that demand flexibility we were talking about. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if they're in a situation where they're having a red day, they call it a red day when it's like, there's a ton of demand on the grid and they, they're having trouble meeting it. It's 105 degrees outside. Everybody's turning on their air conditioners. Maybe everybody, like this was a situation last summer, everybody's at home in their houses. So you're having mm -hmm. some demand changes because everybody's at home due to the pandemic. Yeah. Um, all of their neighboring states are also having a heat wave. So they're mm -hmm. not able to import um, 
electricity on the transmission grid like they might otherwise do. They need a way to be able to call on customers and say, could you guys turn your thermostats up three degrees tomorrow between 10 and three? So those are some of the types of things that we're working to do today. Wow. So that's yeah. going to be, that'll be, you know, not a product that's to consumers, but a way to interact with exactly consumers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that comes from the data, right? So you're, you're, you're attaching these tags, you know, we call them, you know, tokens or um, whatever, but I picture it like a, a shark migration, you know, they tag the shark and they see where the shark. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. so you, you know, you're tagging this energy and seeing how it is used and then you can use that data to go backwards. Uh -huh. And like you said, have California Bay will call the consumer and say, Hey, <laughs> you know, yeah. mind, uh, you know, yeah. turning your AC down a little bit between here and here. <laughs> yeah. You could also tag a customer, right. With the same logic and say, gosh, Amy always turns her thermostat up three degrees. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't call on Mike next time because he never responds. We should just target Amy and we know she has an EV. So if we can get her to shift her EV charging, her electric vehicle charging, gosh, we've solved a lot of problems. So it, it, it goes both ways, the system of assigning identity to you know, qu quantities of electricity, but also to customers and their assets and figuring out like, what are they doing? How are they behaving? What can we call on them to do? What, what can we reward them for doing? And is that something we we weren't able to do before this blockchain technology before this we've been able to do it but the scale has been a challenge so okay. um you know the way that companies do it depend on where they are um but for example some utilities will use companies called aggregators um so the utility says can you go out aggregator and find me a thousand households with um, distributed electricity resources? So basically resources that we can ramp up or ramp down based mm -hmm. on our needs. And mm -hmm. can you aggregator be in charge of compensating those companies um, or, or those individuals based on what they do? And there are companies that do that. Um, but, you know, I think the scale that we see that on now is like batches of hundreds or thousands of homes sure. or assets. And we think, you know, if you imagine a future where, you know, California wants to put a million EVs on the road by 2030. Yeah, that, which, which like that. That strains the existing exactly. resources that we have to communicate with those assets and tell them to do certain things at certain times. So, so that's where we come in. So we well, do yeah. have some technology today, but, but we think that we need a way to scale that dramatically. And that's what we think blockchain provides. Wow. And, you know, and like, so we want it using California as an example, they want to put all those EVs on the road, but the, the grid, the infrastructure, everything that's there, that's not going to change as fast as putting the EVs on the road. Exactly. So again, you're going to strain yeah. it. So yes. the blockchain yes. and what you guys are doing is at scale is to be able to help them be efficient. Mm -hmm. Eventually they will have to add to their grid. They will have to build, yes. but they'll be able to do it more targeted. Mm -hmm by what mm -hmm. Energy Web is doing. Yeah, and I call out electric vehicles a lot as an example because I personally think that they're gonna explode and they're gonna become a much more compelling option for people buying cars than they are today as they get yeah. cheaper. We're seeing all of these auto manufacturers really invest heavily in that. Um, and, and they're not only gonna be a huge new source of demand uh, on the electricity grid, they're mobile, so like, we need right. a way to figure, to predict at least where they're going to be charging, when they're going to be charging and that kind of a thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, 
I agree too. You know, we both have these Chevy Volts and, you know, I bought mine because I can drive from my house down to Glenwood and charge and the back to my house and it works really well. Um, I see like once they start releasing, I think Ford's releasing the electric F-150 this week, like Uh next Wednesday or something like that. And that's where it's going to go crazy in our country. Uh Yeah. You know, because I mean, I, I drive an electric truck. (laughs) <laughs> oh, for sure. I, you know, we have a, we have our Volt and then we have a 96 Toyota Land Cruiser. Yeah. We're just like hoping it stays until we can get an electric equivalent of that kind of a car. But I think in two years, we'll be able to find something really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. You know, we have camper, everyone out here in Colorado, we got campers and boats yeah, and yeah. You know, all these things. And we do a lot of towing. Um, so I know it'll explode. In our yeah. I think it will. I think it will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about a, a big one on everybody's mind right now. Obviously, uh, the big story in blockchain is Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, um, and the, the sad tagline on those is that how bad they are for the environment because they're using a ton of energy. So talk to me a little bit about that in the sense of, all right, you guys are an energy company helping us be more efficient about the energy company, but you're using blockchain, blockchain bad because blockchain. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I am happy to speak to this because this is a question that we've gotten ever since we started energy web. So I think to answer that question is first helpful to talk about, you know, this, this critique that Bitcoin in particular uses an enormous amount of electricity. Other cryptocurrencies do as well, but Bitcoin is the one that people are always pointing to. So why is that? The reason is, um, you know, we talked about uh, blockchain being a chain of blocks. Um, Blocks contain uh, information about what different actors in the system have done. So different types of transactions. So if I send you one Bitcoin to, I guess today that would buy a new car. I buy, yes, I'm buying your Ford F-150. Um, if I send that to you, that will get bundled into a block that's added to the Bitcoin chain, right? Right. The way that bit blocks are added, they're added by companies called miners or you know nodes called miners, participants that have the right to add blocks to the chain. They get okay. the rights, they get, they get the right to take a turn to add a block to the chain by solving a computational problem that takes a lot of processing power to solve. So when you think about, okay, what does a miner look like? If you could take a picture, it's a room full of computers, right? Um, or maybe yeah. a building full of computers um, that are all trying, they're all racing to solve this problem. And the reason they want to solve the problem and add a block is that they get rewarded in Bitcoin every time a block is added. So it's a business and you have all of these companies competing to do it. Um, that is not the way that all blockchains work. So that's the way that Bitcoin works. That's the way that Ethereum, which is sort of the second most popular one works. But that's not the way that our blockchain works. Yeah. And what I want to focus on is that the the reason the Bitcoin is valuable is because of the competition, right? You're competing. These Mm. these companies are all competing against each other to get to put something on that blockchain, Mm. right? Right. Right. So whereas in your company, you're not necessarily competing to put something on that blockchain. Yeah. Something happens and you put it on the chain, right? That is essentially correct. So okay. if, if, if you have all of these random miners, I don't know if there's thousands or millions, right. there's probably hundreds of thousands around the world competing to right. 
to add blocks to Bitcoin. Yeah. We work in a different way. So the blockchain we use is the energy web chain. Um, and it is a chain that we built. It's modeled after Ethereum. It's very similar to Ethereum. The companies that play the part of the miners for our chain are all known energy companies. They're all members of energy web. So they're okay. utilities. They're like the shells of the world, et cetera. And they just take turns adding blocks. And because we know who they are, uh, we can feel confident that they're not you know, messing with the network, acting in bad faith, acting maliciously, et cetera. The way that you secure that in Bitcoin is you make it so hard to add a block that if a company is invested in adding blocks to Bitcoin, like A, it's going to take a lot of companies acting in cahoots to screw things up. And B, they've invested a lot in the security of this, this chain that they're getting compensated in the, the cryptocurrency for. Okay. So anyway, there are alternatives to providing that type of security that don't require such a computational effort that expends so much electricity. Okay. Yeah. So, and you're, you were saying like, you know, your blockchain is basically hosted on these, you know, series of partners and series of computers. And in the sense of your, the energy consumption, mm-hmm. like we're talking about, you know, it's, it's hard for anyone to wrap their mind around. Like, you know, I think I heard somewhere that a lot of the uh, miners in China are built near one of the biggest hydropower plants in yep. the country because that's where they can get the cheapest energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're, you know, it's like, oh my God, these, that just puts a picture in my head of, you know, this, these five mile rooms of these supercomputers, like just crunching this stuff and, you know, burning all this energy. Whereas, you know, you guys are, I think you said it was like a, the equivalent of running a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a re- it's either a refrigerator or a microwave. I have to check. We wrote a blog on it a couple of years ago, and and uh, and I think at that point Bitcoin was like annual energy expenditure was like the country of Denmark, and ours was yes. like a single family home. So it, it's very different. And then the other side of that is, you know, we talked about how you can also use blockchain to track, you know, what are the headwaters of that river, right? And uh, use the water from those headwaters for specific things. You could also do that with, um, you know, making Bitcoin mining more green, for example, you know, powering it with, or renewable energy, or at least the attributes of renewable energy that's coming from somewhere else. So, So, and that's a, that's a big thing, you know, Elon Musk, tweeted out, you know, that Tesla is no longer yeah. taking Bitcoin because it's not energy friendly. So now, you know, all of a sudden, all these miners are scrambling to find, you know, renewable energies, way to power their, mm-hmm. their, you know, their mines or whatever with renewable energies, which in turn is going to cause demand for the renewable energy. You know, right, right now, like, like we're saying, these guys built next to the river. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. they can be close. so what you're working on will actually help you know, and Bitcoin may be an extreme example, Yes. Of, you know, but you will be able to help people like that find these renewable sources. Yep. Yep. We actually um, announced an initiative about a month ago called the Crypto Climate Accord, Accord yeah. which is designed exactly to address that problem. So bringing in mining companies, energy companies, utilities, you know, maybe Tesla is not a member of the Crypto Climate Accord, but maybe they would like to be companies that are just interested in solving this problem. They recognize that crypto and blockchain are potentially really transformational, super useful in all sorts of industries, but recognize like we have to address this energy issue. Yeah. I mean, are you seeing that? Is this, I mean, like if you had to put on your 
you know, future looking goggles, like not only in energy, but this blockchain and, and crypto and these things, these non-fungible tokens, you know, all these providing, uh, you know, value to something that cannot be messed with. Like we even talk about, you know, like the music industry, mm-hmm. like this is going to remake yeah. the music industry, like in the sense of, you know, we went from, you had to go to the record store, you had to go to the record store to buy the record, to buy the CD that was produced by the company to, okay, you can get everything to free to now, you know, hopefully musicians will be able to do NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and you'll be required to pay for their work. You know, so with that, renewables are going to become even more important because we need to have the energy to. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if we can, if we can, if if we can sort of um, get the crypto industry back on track with how it uses energy, I Uh I think it's an enormous opportunity for renewables. Yeah. And like that goes back to your question of like, who is driving all this? Who's asking for all this? Like, yes, we are seeing a lot of drive or a lot of push come from governments, but a lot of it's coming from customers in the end, you know, Elon. Elon. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, okay. He may be doing it for nefarious, you know, who knows, but the reality (laughs) is, is like, you know, that's, that's a big deal, you know, saying, all right, guys, we got to, you know, we got to get our act together and make this work the way it's supposed to. Yep. Yep. So, so energy web seems to be in the middle of all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a, it's a busy place to be. <laughs> so getting back to, uh, you know, you started Rocky mountain Institute, which mm-hmm. is down the road from us in basalt. Um, you are in our co-venture space, yep. uh, which Coventure is amazing because we all work in these same spaces, but at the same time, we all pass each other because we can, you know, everyone's minds and wheels are turning and, you know, we don't get to have the conversations we, we usually do. I know Energy Web as a, um, you have a paper printout on the window <laughs> taped to the office door. It just says Energy Web. Yep. Like digging under the hood of this, you know, you guys are worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the reason our sign, I'm looking at it now, the reason it's a paper (laughs) sign taped to the door is because nobody has the time to go get a proper sign made. Like, you know, it's like for a good reason, right? It's just been that busy and that exciting. Yeah. So you were, you know, launched, Energy Web launched what, four years ago, did you say? Yeah, about four years ago. Mm -hmm. And so where has it gone since then? I mean, I, I looked on your website and it was, I think I, I remember it being, you know, two or three guys in the office. And I looked on the website and there's probably 30 of you and all over the world and yep. all these different partnerships. So talk to me about that. I mean, sure. what's that been like? Yeah, um, crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> I think Energy Web was initially a team of like five or six people. Um and uh, today, I think our last count was we have about 50, 55 employees, contractors who are composing the core team. And we're all over the world. Um, we're decentralized by design, um, yeah. not just because we're a blockchain company, but because we believe that you know to find the best talent to create the company, you have to look in a lot of places. So we, yeah. have, we do have the office here in Carbondale. We've got an office in Berlin. We've got one in the Netherlands. And then we okay. have people everywhere. So I don't know what the country count is at this stage, but in Europe and South America and Asia, North America, all over. Um, 
it's been a, it's been a crazy ride. So you know when we started. Um, we put together this sort of research consortium. I think at one point we had like 103 members. Uh, and we said, we think we, we think the energy system can benefit, can benefit greatly from blockchain technology. We're not exactly sure how. We have a huge laundry list of ways that we think it could be useful. I think we had this, we called it the use case catalog. And it was like 160 items. Wow. And we said, you know, we have two objectives. One is we think the energy sector needs its own blockchain custom built for the energy sector because okay. you can't be running critical energy infrastructure on a blockchain run by a bunch of anonymous miners and you can't be trying to reduce carbon sure. using a blockchain that has the problems sure. we talked about. Sure. So point one was we're going to build our own blockchain uh, and then kind of goal two was and we're going to figure out what it's good for and what we should focus on building the tools and the resources for companies to use it for. Um, and we launched the blockchain. Um, it'll be two years ago next month. It's called the Energy Web Chain. Um, and like I said, it's um, run by about 40 different validators who play the role of miners and they're all around the world. And okay. then on the second um, goal, you know, we really narrowed it down to three places that we focus as a company. One is on this traceability of renewable energy that we've talked about. Yep. The other is on um, assigning identities to customers and their assets. So things like electric vehicles, solar, um, and allowing them to participate in the energy right. system and better better and kind of more interesting ways. And then the third is um, helping companies track what is happening in the life cycle of equipment, uh, assets, um, you know, things that they own. So things like, you know, you talked about titles earlier. So like it would be the energy equivalent of like, let's tra track the chain of title for this piece of equipment. Okay. So yeah, today we, we have, um, about 60 member companies uh, that we work with to build out those types of use cases. We build software for them. We test it in-house. We deploy it so that it becomes part of their business. Uh, we, you know, help. We don't run the chain because it's a decentralized chain, but we, you know, coordinate the group of validators that run the chain. Um, and yeah, kind of, I think we add a little piece to that scope every day. Wow. It just, you know, and, and to have this whole thing come out of Carbondale, you know, the, you know, talk to me a little bit about like how you ended up here. I think you, <laughs> you said you said you were you went to university in North Carolina. Are you originally from the East Coast? I am. So I'm originally from North Carolina. Um, okay. And after I went to University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and then I graduated from school and I moved to the Netherlands because I had really? a Dutch boyfriend. Oh my so gosh. I ended up over there. And uh, while I was there, I found my way into the film and TV business working in um, rights distribution. So talk about intangible assets that you want to track. So okay. know, the, the rights for films and televisions and selling them to TV stations and theaters and all of the places where those things get exhibited. And uh, the company I was working for, I think has a lot of parallels to what I'm doing now because we helped um, producers, distributors, platforms. So like pay TV companies uh -huh. buy and sell these new types of rights, which were to broadcast TV and film on the internet. And back then it was uh, the situation where the industry was kind of saying to itself, this might be something people will want to do one day, but it's right. really hard for us to imagine somebody wanting to watch a TV show on their phone. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when Netflix and YouTube came in, it just flipped like overnight, like all of yeah. a sudden that's where the money was. That's where the businesses are focused. And so 
I'm mentioning that because it's so relevant, I think, to what I do now with energy, like where I feel like we are on this tipping point of like, it's going to be really compelling to own an electric vehicle, you know, et cetera. Yeah. But anyway, so back to where it, that all fits in. I was in that industry, um, didn't really feel like it was my life's passion, uh, decided yeah. that I wanted to make a change, uh, had moved back to the States. I was in North Carolina and uh, my friend who lives in Carbondale, I came out to visit her. And when I was here, she said, you know, I know you're looking for a change. I know you're looking to do something different. We have this position at RMI open uh, to work for one of the founders, a guy named Amory Lovins. Amory, yeah. He, yeah. Needs a, he needs a new assistant. And I know that's not what you want to do with the rest of your life, but it would be a really cool on-ramp into this new field that I think you would find really rewarding. Well, and and could so you, could you think of anyone that's like, how I ended up there. Yeah, for I, like Amory is like one of the biggest thinkers, you know, yeah. in the world. Mm -hmm. um and just has connections all over the world so so you end up connected you know to help to be an assistant yep for basically this kind of genius <laughs> yeah I know and it was so cool and I thought like you know what better way to get into this type of industry than just to like help out this person who's at the center of all of it and is yeah. coming up with all of the ideas that are not all of them, but a lot of the ideas yeah. that are really steering where it's going to go. Yeah. So that was incredible. Um, and then this opportunity came up when I was at RMI and kind of came over to this part of the business. Wow. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, it's just, I love the, I love the origin stories for people, you know, that are, that come to the Valley. We all have our own stories, you know, and some of them are the ski bomb thing and this, yeah. and this. but you were, you know, you came out here to make a change, move for the lifestyle and end up in the, the web of energy, <laughs> the web. The web. Well, part of my, part of my friend's pitch was, you know, you get to work for this industry that you're interested in and work mm -hmm. for this really cool company. And if it doesn't work out, you're still in Carbondale. And, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so now you're here and you have a two-year-old, like mm -hmm. you said. Yep. Yep. Came out yep. here, worked for RMI, met my husband at RMI. So oh, really? Yeah, and he's still in this space too. He works for another company now, but uh, still doing stuff with electrification and wow. carbon reduction in the energy industry and that sort of stuff. Wow, you know, yeah. and a big part of one of these things that, that we do at you know at CoVenture and about these podcasts is it's to show the opportunity that you know there is in in these rural areas and yeah. to be connected worldwide and just to show how interconnected everything is. Um, this is. Yeah, I don't even, I feel like we've gotten, we've gotten through a lot of information, but to yeah. be honest, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, yeah. You know, so thank you, Amy. Thank you for doing this. Um, for people out there in, in podcast land, you know, that can't see us, we'll, we'll put some, we'll put some information in the show notes. What's the best way do you think to get a hold of you or energy web and and figure out what this is all about where where should we go yeah well so the first page the first thing to check out i think would be our website so it's just energyweb.org okay um, you can always reach out to me my email is amy amy at energyweb.org so that's easy enough that's um good. you can follow us on twitter uh for really techie people we have reddit we have a Reddit sub, we have okay. a Telegram channel, but you can find all those uh, ways to connect with us on our website or just ping me. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I, I can't even, you know, 
like I said, this was big stuff and you guys are tackling big problems here and we appreciate it. And uh, I think you're right. I, I feel like you're really on the tipping point with, with energy, like you were saying with the, with the, you know, the film and TV and everybody switching over to Netflix on their phones and whatnot. I mean, this is, this is right there. The yeah. F-150 is going to change it all. <laughs> oh man. Can't wait. I'm, I can't, I'm going to be first in line for that F-150. <laughs> I'll beat you to it. Okay. Okay. Well, Amy, well, thank you so much and uh, have a great rest of your day and uh, I'll see you around the halls of co-venture. All right. I'll see you over here. Thanks. Thanks again, Mike. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. CoVenture is a nonprofit based in Carbondale, Colorado. We're on a mission to empower rural communities to build sustainable businesses and ecosystems through tactical solutions and engagement. Find us online at coventure.io. Please contact us if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities.